0: Welcome to the weekly Dharma Talk podcast from the Columbus Karma Karmateksum Choling Buddhist Meditation Center. This week's Dharma Talk is entitled, Who and What is My Teacher? by Lama Tom Broadwater. Buddhist texts on the qualifications of teachers and students can fill whole libraries, so it is not too surprising that practitioners can become overwhelmed by the subject. In this talk, we will take a practical approach to finding teachers appropriate for our level of practice. We will conclude by looking at one center's paradigm for teaching. If you like our Dharma Talk series, please consider donating to Columbus Karmatexum Choling at columbusktc.org. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Good afternoon, my name is Lama Tom, I'm associated with the Columbus KTC, and I have the privilege and the honor to talk to you today. Uh, It's a beautiful day here, I'm in Zanesville, Ohio, about 55-60 miles from the Columbus uh, Center. But again, I'm very happy to be here with you. So today, what we're going to be talking about is uh, the relationship between student and teacher. And in that process, we'll be talking about the nature of teachers and the nature of uh, students. I'll try to be clear and plain in what I say, and I hope as a result you can gain some benefit from what I do say. Before we begin, I will begin with a prayer. Uh, It's a prayer of refuge. If you're not Buddhist, simply uh, maintain an aspiration that uh, whatever said here might be of some benefit to you in your own uh, spiritual tradition. In the Buddha, the Dharma and the Sangha I take refuge. By the power of generosity and all six perfections, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all beings. In the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha I take refuge. By the power of generosity and all all six perfections, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all beings. In the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, I take refuge by the power of generosity In all ex-perfections, may I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all beings. So again, we're going to be talking about the students, and we're going to be talking about the teacher. And most particularly, we're going to be talking initially about the teacher. Uh, So probably the first and most um, pressing question is, why a teacher in the first place? You might say to yourself, well, I can read books, I can meditate on my own. I can attend uh, classes, you know, that sort of thing. So why do I need a teacher? Well, the simple answer is provided by Paul Rinpoche when he said, and I quote, The teachings are immense. Transmissions are numerous and they cover an enormous range of topics. And he goes on to say, we would never know how to condense the essential points of these teachings and put them, more importantly, in practice without a teacher. Currently, I am keeping, uh, for the Columbus KTC, the tenger and the Conjurer, basically the sacred canon uh, of our tradition. I received them all oh, four years ago when the Columbus Center unfortunately burnt down. There are hundreds of texts and they occupy a large portion of a room in my house. So while I can read Tibetan, my comprehension—I don't have comprehension of it. But even if I had comprehension and uh, re- tried to read all these books, um, it would—it would, it would take a lifetime. And I don't know—even then, I would understand them. Well, in fact, I know I wouldn't understand them. So over the course of the many years of my Dharma career. I've needed qualified teachers to explain the essential points of these texts. But there's something even more compelling. Paul Tarimbuche goes on to say, and I quote When it comes to practice, even if you could explain the whole Tripitaka, which are discourses and so forth of the Buddha, even if you could explain them all, and even if you could memorize them all, without a teacher, I and the Dharma part. So why would he say that? Well, in Buddhism, we are aiming to train our minds and come to the experience of mind's true nature. According to Buddhist teaching, we have endlessly deceived ourselves in this regard. So while we are the ones who must make the full effort to end this deception, we are not the best guide to get ourselves out of this deception. Books and texts can't do it either. You can't... You know, a book can't argue with you. A book can't clarify a point for you. Only qualified teachers can resolve our doubts. And we'll talk about what a qualified teacher is in just a moment. So, in brief, it's like this. We may have all learned that we have Buddha nature which is this tremendous potential that we have to wake up. That's one way of putting it. It's the perfect working basis for our awakening. And we have that within us. But we need the urging of teachers to overcome the power of endless habit and deception. We can't do that on our own. Another question that comes up from time to time is, how long do I need a teacher? Jandam Contral, the great, another Tibetan teacher said, until we attain enlightenment, your entire religious career depends on a teacher. The fact is that all the great bodhisattvas, highly realized beings, have their teachers seated on the crowns of their heads, like uh, Amitabha above Avalokiteshvara. So the highest level of spiritual beings require their teacher to point out enlightenment. And to the point of enlightenment, I should say. So why? Well, to keep enlightenment foremost in their minds, and so they can actually achieve awakening. The inspiration and the examples of our teachers keep us moving forward. So if it is like this for highly spiritual beings, how much more so is it with us? The teacher is there for us to remind us of our spiritual goals and is the encouragement we need to make progress towards that goal. It's that simple. The traditional texts de- de- uh, detail the roles of teachers in their three. They call them guides. They call them escorts. And ferrymen, or ferry women, uh, if you, uh, if the case may be, we they are called guides when they when we travel through unknown territory. And uh, on a very practical level, on a very ordinary level, anytime you enter a, a, a Buddhist shrine room, you enter as a beginner on. Un- Uh, familiar territory. So in that very instance we need guides to interpret the various aspects of what we're seeing. A teacher is also an escort when we travel through dangerous regions. When we begin to train the mind we deal with the mind's deception and afflictive emotions. So we need someone to be there with us, to experience those states of mind and the obstacles that arise in that dangerous territory. One time, and I'll be very brief about this, but one time when I was in retreat, uh, I was going through some dangerous territory. Afflictive emotions were arising. And there was this wonderful lama, uh, Lama Lodro Khamo. She was my escort. She helped me. Uh, and she will, as, re, as a result, she will, I will always be grateful to her as a teacher. Finally, as we make progress, we need a ferryman or a ferrywoman, as the case may be, to cross the great river. We need someone who has been there, who has realization, At some point in our Buddhist career, our teacher's realization is critical to our own progress and our own realization. The teacher's realization and our own become inseparable. So we've covered why we need a teacher. We've covered how long we need them. And now we're going to look at uh, and we've also looked at the general function of teachers. So now let's look at how these functions of a teacher vary based upon the stage of our personal development. As a beginner, we need what is comparable to a first grade teacher or a kindergarten teacher. We don't need a PhD. To teach you, you know, to teach you four plus four is eight. You don't need that. In fact, it might be confusing, wouldn't it? If you had a uh, a physicist or a Ph.D. trying to teach you, they might become very impatient with you. The fact is, introducing the most difficult Buddhist concepts when we start out might just confuse you perhaps equally or more important. Until we begin to experience the profundity of Buddhist fundamentals, we can't progress on to deeper levels of practice and understanding. Therefore, these initial instructors are so important to us beginners, sort of like our first grade teachers. When I was uh, thinking about this talk and writing some thoughts down, my first great teacher actually came to my mind. Her name was Mrs. Taylor. Gosh, she was so kind, so loving. So um, she made me excited about the idea of learning. When I came to Columbus KTC probably more than 20 years ago, my first meditation instructor was a fellow by the name of Daryl Peters. He was so compassionate, so kind. He made me want to practice. He introduced me to the four thoughts that turn the mind to the Dharma. These are contemplations that I use even today. So I'll never ever forget, Gerald Peters. So initially, we need folks who know the fundamentals, have an unbroken lineage of teachings, and can communicate clearly and simply. These instructors need to be experienced practitioners showing some maturity and wisdom. As long as the instructor stays within their mandate and level of competence, there's no problem, no obstacles to accepting this kind of teacher. At least there shouldn't be. (laughs) But I've heard mentoring, when I was mentoring students, uh, students say to me, "Okay, uh, when do I get to meet the real teacher? When do I really get to the good stuff? And that's okay. I understand that. There's a certain amount of impatience to want to get to the good stuff and to the realized teacher. I understand that. But as a rule, and there are some rules here, in the beginning, we get the teacher we need. And as we create the conditions through practice, we will be ready for that profound and learned teacher. But it is through the light of the ordinary teachers we will meet the greater teachers. But without this initial instruction instruction and practice, even if we did meet the greater teacher, the profound teaching, we might not recognize them. I was fortunate 20 years ago when I came to Columbus KTC, uh, the first Sunday I attended, it was announced that Kemba Carter Rimbache would be visiting the following week and giving a series of talks, and I went to them. When I met him that first time, I can't say that I recognized him to be the realized being that he was. Nor did I always understand the profundity of what he said. But I was able to recognize his kindness and his compassion. And I knew I wanted to be like him when I grew up. That much I did know. And I have to say, I have to say, that remains my aspiration. So after our introduction to Buddhism's fundamentals, we are ready to take on more formal Mahayana teachings. This is not exactly a teaching on the Mahayana teachings, but let's just say uh, the Mahayana teachings are about the among other things about the selfless exercise of virtue let's just let's put it that way there's more to it than that but we could you could have a talk on that itself we'll just say that much but anyway when when we're being introduced to the mahayana we need teachers with a strong daily practice well versed in the mahayana teachings well-grounded in the lineage, and committed committed to following the precepts of the Bodhisattva. So, now let's look a little bit more uh, at the qualities of a teacher. Zungsar Jangan Kensei has said that every Buddhist teacher, from high to low, should be humble, honor their teachers, and be motivated by the sole desire to benefit them. And this certainly was the case with Khenpo Kartu According to Zumsar, teachers should not be proud, judgmental, or lack the power of forgiveness. If a teacher lacks any of these, they become a serious obstacle to our own practice. It may sound a little surprising to hear that, according to Mindri Rinpoche, a great meditation instructor, it may be surprising to hear that, as far as knowledge is concerned, a teacher at this stage as to only be one step ahead of a student. One step, or one page, as the case may be. So the basic idea here is that a teacher has to know more than the student and be able to communicate in a way that's understandable to the student, but the teacher does not have to have vast knowledge at this level, at this stage. They just have to be one step ahead. Of course, it's best to have as much knowledge as you can, for sure. But in terms of the teacher at this stage, they just need to be one step ahead of the student. In the course of our Dharma life, we meet many teachers whose words affect us in a very significant, positive and transformative way. We might refer to these teachers as branch teachers, in the sense that they branch off from our main teachers. And there's still another level of teachers we'll call root teachers or root gurus. The root guru sort of gets a bad rap. People don't like that word. I don't have any problem with it, but I know some people do. We'll call them here root teachers. These are teachers who give empowerments and introduce us to mind's nature. The whole of Buddhist teaching is to train and transform our minds, and in transforming our mind to see mind's true nature. So the root teacher, or teachers, are very special kinds of teachers. In the beginning, we examine these most special teachers, as we examine all teachers. And we examine them with care. In the case of our root teachers, this is particularly important. The quality and the quality in all authentic teachers they all have to share one thing, which is bodhicitta, the motivation to benefit all beings and to bring them uh, to awakening. Furthermore, a root teacher has a lot more qualification, needs a lot more qualification. So they must have the lineage, they must be knowledgeable, they've got to be realized, and they have to demonstrate an enduring care for their students. If, after discernment, we look at our this teacher and they don't have these qualities, we should not follow them. The important point here is that after determining their worthiness, and the moment we start to follow our root teacher, we see them with pure perception. In essence, what that means is, whatever comes from them comes from the Buddha. For you, they are the Buddha. That's why discernment is so necessary in this process. So, what's the trajectory of our involvement with our root teacher? Well, in my perfect teacher, it says, which is a, another classic text uh, in Tibetan Buddhism. In my perfect teacher, it says, in the beginning, I examine my teacher. In the middle, I follow my teacher. and the end, I emulate his actions, and his realization. So here's one point to keep in mind when you're with your root teacher. The most impor- one of the most important things is establish for yourself the validity of their teaching by making their teachings your own living experience. Put whatever they teach into practice. When obstacles arise, and they do all the time, be determined in your effort to practice, no matter what. You and I can listen to any number of inspiring talks by great teachers, but if we don't integrate them into our lives, nothing happens, nothing changes. Our mind won't be transformed. And the point, as we said, of Dharma is to transform the mind. So absorb all these qualities, knowledge, reflection, and meditation that your teacher, your root teacher has. Without such teachers, we're gonna make up our own false version of the Dharma. And where's that gonna get us? <laughs> More suffering. has Rinpoche has an excellent, some excellent practical thoughts about our relationship with our teachers, especially our root teachers. Um, and I'm referring to a book called uh, Turning Confusion to Clarity. What he says is, we don't spend very much time with our, teach, with our root teachers ordinarily. We're not going to uh, go and live with our, our root teachers more often than not. Rather, we go to them, we get our instructions from them, and then we return home to actually practice. So we don't spend actually a lot of time necessarily with our teachers. So the important point here is don't waste your time when you're with your teachers talking irrelevant, uh, about irrelevant things. Furthermore, uh, Mindy Rinpoche says that teachers are not life coaches, they're not psychotherapists, and they're not real estate agents. Our spiritual teachers are far more important than that. Life coaches and therapists and the like are concerned only about this life. Your spiritual teachers are concerned uh, not only about this life, but all future lives about your awakening. Minjur Rinpoche says that when asked about worldly questions, about what job to take, where to move, what property to buy, how do I get along with my business partners, etc., he tries to bring the person to their own worldly wisdom and let them answer that question themselves. And then, where appropriate, he may apply uh, a spiritual teaching. Again, the point is we shouldn't waste our, our own time and the time of our teachers in mundane kinds of considerations. Ultimately, the most important point, uh, or most important yeah, point, to our relationship with our teachers is uh, devotion. And that's seen as a keen desire to carry out their instructions. Mindyar has a story tells. It's a wonderful story in uh, the book I just cited. It's about this illiterate llama that goes into a village and needs shelter for the night. And so uh, he comes on this elderly woman and she offers him uh, shelter for the night, um with the stipulation that he give her a teaching, and she wanted to know Tara's mantra. Well, this illiterate uh, Lama only knew Omani Pinma home, didn't know Tara's mantra. So he's sort of hard-pressed, so he made one up. He said, uh, okay, um Lady, it is, blah, 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 so ah. And the, the elderly lady said, oh, thank you, thank you so much, Lama, thank you so much. So the Lama stayed and left the next morning, and the elderly woman continued to pray to Tara using this nonsense mantra. And lo and behold, Tara began to appear to her in her dreams. Well, along comes this very scholarly, very educated Lama. And uh, he was talking to this elderly lady in this village, and she told him about her experience with the illiterate Lama and the mantra she had learned. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. This is wrong, wrong. This is not the right mantra to to say. And he taught her the right one. And when the educated lama left, the elderly lady sat down and was totally brokenhearted, figuring that she had wasted all of her time. And Tara no longer appeared to her in her dreams at night. The the learned scholar learned of this lady's predicament. So he went back to her and he said, Lady, what the illiterate Lama taught you was right. You should continue. And she did, she was very happy. She said that nonsense mantra, and lo and behold, Tara reappeared in her dreams. Now, Mindyur is not promoting false teaching by charlatans. That's not what he's doing here. Rather, what he is saying is that even if right now we were to meet the Buddha, if our, our on our own side, we lack devotion, we wouldn't recognize him. That's the point. Devotion is so important to our teaching and our teachers. So in this talk, we've covered why we need teachers, the different kinds of teachers, and the qualities of a good teacher and a good student. You know, there's a lot more I could say about it, um, but maybe that's for another talk. I think I've said enough about that. But before I go, I'd like to tell you a little bit about some of the teachers I've had, and maybe that'll help you a little bit too. I mentioned earlier, one of my first teachers was Daryl Peters. Daryl taught me meditation. He's retired now, but his work uh, with all of his students continues to be a part of their lives. So I owe my introduction to Buddhism, to him. And I think I would always want to emulate his gentleness. He was such a he is such a gentle, kind individual. Then there's Lama Kathy, whose center I have been a part of for over 20 years. Among her many qualities, I would want to emulate her single pointed devotion to her teacher, Kempo Carta Rinpoche. She has been a perfect vessel for his teaching in the following way. Before she was a Dharma teacher, she honed her journalistic skills as a newspaper reporter. Such skills as listening well, accurately recording, and she gained a sharp recall of words and events as a journalist. So whenever she attended any talk by Carter Rinpoche, she took notes that she later committed to her own memory. So if you ever ask her, as I have, what Kempukartya Rinpoche said on this or that subject, she's able Not only to recall those words that we translated to her, not only that, she's probably going to be able to uh, tell you the date and time and place where those words were spoken. So she is a direct line to Rinpoche's teaching. She is tireless in her. Going about her teaching. So I would want to emulate her. Over the years I've traveled to India, China, and Tibet with three monks: Lamas Yeshi Sultram of Wisconsin, Zopa KT, who lives at KTD, and Lama Losang from uh, Florida. They all share in their commitment to their vows and their devotion to Khenpo Karcha Rinpoche. From Lama Yeshi, I learned the profound practice of Nune. From Lama Zopa, I learned the profound practice... Excuse me, from Lama Zopa, I learned and was inspired by his love of learning. From Lama Losong, I've been a witness to a profound inner silence that manifests in his outward demeanor. So I wish to to emulate all those monks' qualities. I mentioned before Lama Lodro Lama. What I could say about her would sound a bit dramatic, but her compassionate help got me through a lot of turmoil and kept me moving forward. Then there's Annie Karuna and Lama Sultra, my uh, retreat master. Their patience and their service to their teacher has spoken louder than any words they could say. And so I'm grateful to all of them and they have also been my teachers. And so may we all one day emanate, uh, emulate and realize the qualities these men and women have. I could also mention Lama Karma, who spoke earlier in the day. Uh, He went through multiple retreats, and the story that he rarely tells, but we all know, is that during one of those retreats, he almost died was very, very ill, and he refused to leave retreat because of his devotion to his teacher. And there's finally Kimpo Karta Rinpoche. What I've learned from him, it's, in, it's uh, inexpressible. Any gratitude that I could express here would be insufficient. And I know that I'll be spending the rest of my life integrating what he taught me and to integrate that into my life. There is a uh, uh, Tibetan rebuke and lament that goes something like this. First of all, the lament. There are people who do not follow, serve, and respect their teacher when the teacher is alive. Now that he has passed, they profess to be meditating on a picture of him. That's the rebuke, I should say. And the lament goes something like this. I have met the perfect teacher. But I have let myself down by my negative behavior. I have found the perfect path. But I wander on the precipitous leeways. Bless me and all those of bad character like me, that our minds may be tamed by the Dharma. Don't let this be your lament. Listen to your teachers, all of them. Follow their instructions and finally emulate their character and their realization. If you've gotten to the end of this talk, I thank you for your time and your kind attention. It's been an honor to speak to you. So I'll end with this prayer. By this merit, may all attain omniscience, may it defeat the enemy wrongdoing. May the stormy waves of birth, old age, sickness and death from the ocean of samsara, may I free all beings. Thank you very much. Uh, I enjoyed sharing with you. I will do one more talk next week um, and then Lama Cathy will be back and um, we will, will enjoy her talks then. So again, thank you very much. And it's been an honor uh, to be here with you. Uh, have a great week. Uh, have a great day here in uh, Zanesville, Ohio. It's beautiful. And I hope uh, it's the same in your area and you get to enjoy um, the weather, too. So, again, thank you very much. Bless you all.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's Dharma Talk. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, please subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. To learn more about the Columbus Karma Karmateksum Choling or to donate to support our Dharma Talk series, please visit our website at columbusktc.org. The opening and closing music for the podcast is Tibetan Flute Song by Tamding Arts at tamdingarts.com. Please join us again next week for another Dharma Talk.